Lord Jesus, we come to you today just as we are. Lord, we have no way of hiding from you. That's a really good thing. Because you see us just as we are and you love us just as, you, as we are. And Lord, today we've already had a, a rich time together in your presence receiving from you. Lord, now, as we come to your word, it's our desire to open our hearts to receive the fullness of what you want to speak to us today. Lord, we're not just here for ourselves. We're really here for you. And Jesus, I pray that you'll help us to listen and receive well today. Come and speak to us now living water. Nourish us today. We pray in the name of Jesus and all God's people say. Amen. Well, again, I'll add my good morning to Lynn. Thank you for facilitating. Thank you, Peterson and team, for leading us in worship. My name is uh, Pastor Jim. I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Bethel Christian Fellowship for the last 24 and a half years. And um, it's a joy to always to come and to present and share the word with you. This morning we are on the beginning of a journey that began last week uh, of a study of the book of James that we're entitling Faith That Works, Practical Wisdom from James. And so for the months of September, October, and November, up until Advent, we're going to be uh, kind of walking through this incredible book Together. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to open it up to the book of James, which is towards the end of your Bible, immediately after the book of Hebrews, which is one of the longer books back there among the letters, and so that might help you find it, um, and right before 1 Peter. So if you bookend with Hebrews and Peter, you'll find James in there. Now, it's a really interesting book. Um, as far as we know, um, you know, James... Um, was perhaps the very first uh, letter written to the churches um, uh, in, that we have of all the letters in the New Testament. You know, we have letters from John and Peter and, of course, many from Paul and this one from James. It was perhaps the earliest letter written, written by James, who uh, was the half-brother of Jesus, a leader of the church in Jerusalem, and had a particular um, concern for his own people, the Jewish people. And so this letter was written, uh, the recipients of this letter were uh, those that had been scattered after the um, persecution that broke out after Stephen's martyrdom in Jerusalem. And uh, James is writing to encourage uh, those who are all over uh, the world. And James has a very unique message. It's a very powerful message. James has been called sort of the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's sort of this uh, like a string of pearls of wisdom uh, that James drops in. So sometimes his, his uh, you know, Paul sort of uh, in, in his letters follows a very logical uh, unfolding of uh, theme and thought. Uh, with James, sometimes he's kind of here and there and everywhere, but in the midst of the here and there and everywhere, uh, you'll find some incredible pearls that we're going to be trying to draw out over these next uh, weeks together to uh, really hear... Uh, the voice of the Lord to us here in 
2014, St. Paul, Minnesota, and Minneapolis and beyond. So last week, we looked at the first uh, portion of the book of James, and uh, in the, under the kind of the rubric of obstacles and opportunities, um, James begins his letter after his brief introduction in verse 1 by saying, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the first obstacle that we face, that uh, all of us face in our life, and certainly just seeing so many of us at the altar here this morning is a reminder that we all face trials of various kinds. There are external troubles uh, and internal pressures. Uh, there are the external troubles that come from circumstances that are beyond our control, things that are happening around us. And then there's all those internal pressures that come, pressures of, of um, anxieties and fear and grief and, and, and difficulties and challenges of many kinds. And in the midst of that, there's an opportunity. Uh, with each obstacle, there comes an opportunity, and the opportunity here is perseverance. Um, testing, which uh, James talks about here, really has two dimensions to it. One is the process of maturing, and the other is the product of completion. I always say there's a couple of things that you can't get at the altar. The altar is a powerful place to have an encounter with God, and at the altar it often opens up the opportunity for perseverance to begin to flow in our lives, but you can't get experience and you can't get maturity at the altar. That comes from persevering in the midst of life. So there's a process of maturing going on in your and my life that trials actually are a part of. In fact, they are a necessary ingredient to the development of our maturity. The product of that becomes completion when we become mature and complete. It doesn't mean um, all of the work. I mean, the work, the completion ultimately ends when we're in heaven but it means that we are becoming more fully integrated as human beings in terms of uh, the Lord's work in us, our understanding of our identity and destiny in him, and all of that happens as a result of the process of persevering through testing. Secondly, uh, James addresses this issue in the first part, the, the issue of temptation. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil and desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose us to give birth through the word us. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he has created. So the second obstacle that all of us face is temptation. And here are the facts about temptation. One, it is always present in life. Secondly, it is never prompted by God. And it has a consistent pattern. There's a bait that's laid out there before us. Desire awakens in us to take out and reach hold of that bait. And it becomes an allurement by which then we become trapped. You've all heard the story of how monkeys are uh, trapped in, uh, in the jungles of Africa. What they will do is they will take a coconut, they will cut a hole in it that's big enough for the hand of the monkey to go into, and they'll put some bait in there that's just particularly monkey attractive. The, the monkey will put his hand into the bait, 
uh, to grab hold of the bait. And when he puts his hand around it and tries to pull his hand out of that coconut with it held in his hand in his fist, it will not come out and he is trapped. He can get out by simply opening his hand and letting go, but the monkey in his desire is allured into that and will hang on to that to the point that when the uh, hunter comes to get him, he will not let go and there become and becomes and he dies. Okay? And such it is with sin. It takes us and the consequence of that is the enemy gets a hold in our life and it gives birth to sin and death in our lives. Now the opportunity that we have is that of victory. And the first thing that we need to understand is that the keys to that are to understand, first of all, that failure is not inevitable. It is not inevitable that we will fail, that we will fall to temptation. Because he gives us a way out in every situation. And secondly, the key to victory is to focus on the goodness of God. As I mentioned last week, it's powerful that right after he talks about temptation, he says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from God above. So God's perfect gifts, the enemy takes and tries to distort. But nevertheless, when we focus on God's goodness, when we recognize, when we have contentment in him, when, we're, when we walk in fidelity, when we walk in that place of humility before him, there is, when we're focusing on his goodness, it takes away the allure of the bait and the desire for the things that are not from him. All right, so these are the things, and you can get a much fuller representation of them out of last, last week's message, but I needed to kind of get a running start in order to take us into this morning, which I've entitled the message, True or False. True or False. True or False. James 1, 19 to 27. So let's read it here. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that, God's desi- that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Right at the center of this passage is a very powerful uh, scripture that speaks about the third obstacle that we face in our lives. So this, in a sense, I'm carrying through, uh, as it were, the theme from last week of obstacles and opportunities. And uh, the obstacle that we face is that of deception. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. What deception does is it causes us to accept as true and valid what is false and invalid. 
Now let me just do a little game with you called Let's Pretend, okay? Uh, so we're going to do a little Let's Pretend here for a moment to help us kind of get uh, into an understanding of what we're going to be talking about this morning as this obstacle. Let's pretend that um, we just received like the largest offering that we've ever received uh, this morning for church planting. In fact, significantly enough offering to send me overseas for the next year uh, along with my family. We're going to transplant for a year over to, um, you can choose where, what region of the world we're getting sent to. Uh, maybe it's uh, Southeast Asia, maybe it's over in Africa, maybe it's in Europe, maybe it's in South America. You probably would all want us to go, well, maybe you wouldn't, maybe you'd say send them somewhere else, but um, maybe you'd want us to come where you are and or where your family is, and we're all sent. So Annette and I, and uh, now uh, Noah, uh, Katie, I don't know, you, you're going you're gonna to hang on to the house and keep track of Mabel, okay? You're good. All right. So, so we got a year uh, that we're heading overseas, all right? And I'm leaving the church in the wonderful, capable hands of Pastor Sam, Pastor Ben, uh, Liz in the office, and Cherry, and Andrew, and Michonne, and all the wonderful staff, and Tyler here that we have, and all of that. So, um, so a year from now, I come back, and when I get here, well, I find that things don't exactly look the way they did when I left. The first clue is, is as I drive up or walk up uh, to the outside of the grounds, I see like the bushes are like overgrown all over the place. Uh, there's debris scattered everywhere. Um, I walk into the door and I immediately, all, all I'm hearing is sort of this, um, coming out of the office is um, uh, sort of slam poetry uh, coming, coming from the office and... Um, you know, Liz is, is having a, uh, you know, a pedicure and a manicure, and she's just sort of sitting there, and the phones are ringing, and uh, I look over in Pastor Ben's office, and, you know, he's over there just sort of taking a nap, and whoo, you know, and uh, just, you know, I'm looking around, and I'm like, what on earth? You know, and, I, and, and everywhere I turn and everywhere I look, Everything, and you know, I get here on a Sunday, and just everything is just completely out of, there's just nothing happening. And I'm like, what on earth? Now, the whole time I've been gone, um, I've been emailing back. And I've been, you know, just giving encouragement, uh, things, you know, uh, opportunities, because, man, I'm seeing great things going on, and and I'm encouraging, you know, we could be doing this and that and all of these things that we, we could be doing and, 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 and how are things going and all of this. And I'm sending encouragement and I'm sending wisdom and I'm sending insights and I'm sending up uh, all, all kinds of uh, input into the life of the congregation. And so I, so I find Pastor Sam, you know, his, his feet up uh, uh, on the desk and, you know, he's got like four different devices going uh, that he's looking at. And I'm like... Uh, I'm like, Sam, what up, man? And he says, well, what up? Nice to see you. I'm like, well, what's going on? What have you guys been doing? He's like, doing. 
I said, well, I mean, I've been gone a year, and incredible things are happening over here, and there's like, you know, 25 people here on Sunday, and there's stuff everywhere, and Tyler, and all these things, and Liz, and Ben, and I don't know what's going on. Jerry, she's lost her, you know, way, and everybody's, what's going on? And I've been sending these emails to him. He said, well, Deborah, we're really happy about the emails that you've been sending. And in fact, you know, every Monday morning when we've had staff check-ins, we've been reading your emails. And they've been really encouraging. And in fact, some of us have been memorizing part of the email because, like, the words are so good. It sounds so great. And we've been memorizing, you know, we... we, we we, we just call it, you know, a, a small group, uh, you know, staff gathering, connect. That's our connect, man. We're connecting around those emails. And I said, well, have you done anything that I've actually written to you? And he says, done, do. Redonkulous, Right? James is kind of nailing us right in a place that is very close to reality for many of our lives and for many of the lives of many believers down through the ages, including today, 21st century America. Oh, we, we know a lot. We got a lot of knowledge. In fact, there's, a, there's a something, and I don't remember the name of it, actually. It's a syndrome kind of thing. It's, it's, it's particularly prevalent because of all the information that we receive. We have this deception in America, particularly, and in the West, that if we know about something, we think we're actually doing something about that. So just knowing about it we feel like we're doing something. But that is accepting as true and valid what is false and invalid. That's actually a deception. And James says, do not be, do not deceive yourselves. Jeremiah puts it this way, all the way back in the Old Testament. This isn't a, a New Testament issue or an Old Testament issue. This is a human issue. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. In other words, our heart is greater than we, the deception of our heart is greater than our own understanding. However, the good news this morning is the Lord does understand your and my heart and examines it and, and actually can um, instigate transformation of the heart in order that we may conduct ourselves in a way that is congruent with the word of God reaching into us. So how does that happen?
happen, we must encounter truth. We must encounter truth. So today, I want us to encounter truth. The only way out of this deception that we're in, the only way to break through that is to encounter truth. And the way that happens unfolds like this. So four things that we're going to look at very quickly. We're going to walk through this. So listen fast. Be swift to listen. First of all, to the truth. Listen to the truth. James starts out by saying, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. So let's look at what that means. When we listen to the word and one another, we posture ourselves in a receptive way. And when we posture ourselves in a receptive way, we are teachable, we are humble, and we are open. So when we come to the word, or when the word is spoken to us, and sometimes it comes in a formal setting like this in a sermon, sometimes it comes in an informal setting when we're just sitting down and having coffee with one another or chatting or whatever. But when the word of God gets spoken into our lives, there is a particular posture which will help you overcome the deception of your heart and encounter truth. It is the posture of being teachable and humble and open to receive. We've just started our leader and training apprenticeship program. Love it. So excited about our nine apprentices that we have this year, young adults. They're so eager. They're wonderful. It's marvelous. And I tell them that the number one thing, the thing that to, to remain, the posture to remain in throughout your life as a leader, the most, perhaps the most significant characteristic of a good leader is one who is teachable. And that's true of any follower of Christ, that we be receptive, teachable, Humble, open to the voice of the Lord in the way that it comes to us by his word. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. I remember um, reading about a tennis instructor who was working with a particular person and trying to help them adjust their serving uh, motion in a way that would help them be more effective. And so this person had developed sort of a, a habit of doing it in a certain way, and the instructor was trying to help them to, to have their arm be in a different position and, and move their swing in a different way, knowing that if that would happen, that that person's serve would become that much more effective. And over and over and over again, they tried to do that, and, and, and over and over again, the person just said, well, I know how to do it. I've always done it this way, and this way works for me, and so I'm going to keep doing it this way. And so finally, the instructor simply gave up and let the person continue to do it in the way that they had been doing it in a way that really didn't produce the kind of results they looked for, but what can we do? 
And, and after the lesson was over, there was somebody who was observing this tennis instructor trying to teach this young man, this person, how to change their serve. And he said, well, why did you give up trying to change him? Don't, don't you see that that's going to... And, and the instructor said, I see exactly what's going on, but it's hard to give answers to someone who only wants to hear echoes. Lord, have mercy on us that we don't simply want to hear echoes, but that we want to hear true answers from the Lord. The opposite of this is when we are angry, we're reactive. When we're in an open posture of listening, we are receptive, but when we're angry, we become reactive. And we are controlling, we are proud, and we are closed. I have an example of this just from yesterday. It was just interesting. We, Annette and I were doing, um, we were uh, prayer walking. We've been prayer walking. We prayer, prayer walked through all of the precincts of downtown, and now we're going up on the west side. And we were prayer walking up on the west side, and something happened. I don't know what, what exactly it was as we were praying and walking, and, and I got irritated. I got frustrated, and I could feel myself getting angry and as I did, I could feel myself, literally, I, I had this moment of clarity where I recognized I have an opportunity here. I can either nurse or get focused on that anger, and, and, and I could just feel it closing down my spirit. And immediately I said, no, I'm not going to close down my spirit. I'm going to open my spirit and continue to pray. But it was a choice in that moment. That's just a simple thing. That happens to us every day. But when we're angry, we try to make it happen in our own strength and our own ability, and we end up being controlling and manipulative. And we're proud because we have all the answers. And we're closed. Now, I found it really interesting as I was studying out this passage where it says there, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent uh, in verse 21 there. The word there, the Greek word, is a very specific word when it talks about the moral filth. It's very interesting. It's the same word. It's a medical word that is the same word for earwax. Everybody say, ew. But I think it's important. Because what happens is, is the world around us, always is giving to us so much information. We're getting so many signals, so much stuff coming at us. And it's sometimes very corrosive or it's off or it's not according to the truth of the, of the word of God. And it begins to build up in our ears and it becomes earwax. And pretty soon it becomes harder and harder for us to hear. which is a really important thing to ask yourself, what am I listening to? What, what, what am I hearing? If faith comes by hearing, so does unbelief and deception and distortion and all of the other things. It comes by hearing. What are you listening to? Are we listening to the truth? Are we open and receiving 
or our ears getting clogged up with so much else? Just a good question. I was going to bring this morning, but I didn't have one at home. I thought I did, and maybe you've ever seen that. In fact, I stopped to try to see if I could get one just to, uh, how do you clear out earwax? Well, one of the ways, I mean, there's lots of different things you can do, but one way that we've used, and I know it's, it would be really cool if I did it this morning, but I won't, you'll have to imagine, <laughs> is using an ear candle. Anybody ever used an ear candle? All right, you know about ear candles, yeah? They're really cool. There are these things you stick into your ear and you light them on fire. It's got to be good. Yeah, it's long. Okay. It's, 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 you know, it's not a little votive, you know. <laughs> and you put it in your ear and you light it on fire and it draws the wax out. But I think that's a pretty good picture. You'll remember it. Of what it is when the word of God, I mean, the fire, the way to get your ear cleared is allow the fire of his word to come and begin to soften and remove that wax so that you can hear. All right. Receive the truth. The end of verse 21, he says, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. What does it mean to humbly accept the word? Well, when we receive the word, we are, we, we accept it, we embrace it, and we remain in it. We accept it, we embrace it, we remain in it. Uh, Jesus tells the parable of the sower and the seed, and at the end of that parable, as it says here in Luke 8, it says, the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. It's not enough simply to listen to the word. It is also essential for us to actually receive it, which means accept it. Take it into our lives. Embrace it and allow it to work its way into us in a way that, in, as it says in... Uh, John chapter 15, when Jesus talks about abiding or remaining in the vine, he says, where the word actually begins to remain in us, it becomes woven into the very fabric of our lives. That's what receiving the truth is about. It's about allowing it to be woven into your life so that it's not simply some extraneous thing out here that is disconnected from the rest of your life, it actually becomes woven into you and into your life. It becomes that which holds your life together, that gives clarity about what you are to do and who you are to be and and, and the word has so much to bring to us if we will receive it. And then there's the next step, which is found in the verse we already read and going on from there. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So the third step here is to obey the truth. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like, Someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
but whoever looks intently, who gazes into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. Say continue. Say continues in it. Say continues in it. Not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. As Pastor Sam and I were dialoguing about the message this week, he shared something which which was great, very helpful in sort of framing this. And so I just want to share a couple things and insights that, that he had that I think were really helpful. When we obey the word, our hearts are transformed. There's a transformation that begins. It's an inside out thing. That's why we have to continue to gaze at the word of the Lord. It says in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says, Now the Lord is the spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So it's as we look at him, we're transformed from the inside out. Now, if I'd have been really good this morning, I was going to look up, but I, you know, well, you know me and computers and things like that, but you can go do this. I'm sure there's something out there, people who look like their dogs. There's a literal thing that, you know, people who have pets begin to look more and more like their pets, okay? Because they spend a lot of time looking at them. So if I'm looking more like Mabel, she's been around a long time, 15 years now, all right? So, But what you look like, what you're gazing intently at, where your focus is, that is what you're going to begin to be transformed into. So our hearts are transformed as we gaze into the Word, and secondly, with that, our actions then are reformed. There's a new formation about our actions. As it says later in James, and we're going to get to this passage in a few weeks, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. That's why we've entitled this sermon series, Faith That Works. Because there is, a, there is an actual element of the actions, the things that we do become reformed by the transformation of our hearts. Does that make sense? Say, got it. You got it, got it, okay? So there's a transformation, which ultimately ends up in this truth encounter is that we begin to actually do the truth. That's why James says here at the end of this passage we're studying this morning, and I'm coming in for the landing right now, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So when when we do the word, when we begin to actually live out the word, it defines our actions in the areas of our speech, of our moral ethics, and of our compassionate works. In these very practical, it begins to actually change and reform the way we live our lives. So let me ask you a question. 
Does heart transformation produce reformation of action or does reformation of action produce heart transformation? The answer is yes. As we gaze intently on the Word of God, it begins to do something in our heart which by definition will begin to, trend, begin to reform our actions. At the same time, as we reform our actions, it actually begins to do a work of transformation of our hearts. That's why Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where you're putting your energy and your attention and your time and your resources into, your heart is going to follow that. And as your heart is transformed and as that softening begins to happen, as you're gazing at the word of God and as he's beginning to transform you, it is reforming your actions. Both are happening at the same time. And that's the way out of deception. That's the way to break this incredible division and divorce. It's sort of that great divorce that happened within the church, the divorce between faith and action. That divorce is a deception. They are not, they're, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. They're not separated from one another. Faith that works, here's the thesis statement that Pastor Sam, he articulated slightly differently, but it's basically this piece. Faith that works transforms our hearts and reforms our actions. It defines our actions. As it says in 1 John 3, if anyone has material possessions, sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. So we're back to God examining our hearts, and I just want to invite us this morning to ask him to examine our hearts today, to actually have an encounter with truth. We're going we're gonna to sing the song that we began this worship service with, Build Your Kingdom Here. And... Um, you know, it's powerful, powerful words to it, um, but they're just words if feet don't go on them. So I'm going to simply ask us to ask the Lord to examine our hearts. And if there is a separation in us, which I'm pretty sure there probably is in the vast majority, if not all of us. There's a gap. Let's, come on, let's be honest. There's a gap between what we know and what we do. God wants to come in, and it's his grace that comes and just, yeah, he wants to, like, wash us and transform us and do his good stuff. Because we can't, you know, you're not going to just grit your teeth. So here, don't, don't hear this. Well, I just got to work harder now. 
No, I need to allow him to work in and through me, but I do need to cooperate more. I've got to participate and partner in this, and it's a work of his grace flowing through us that does that. Okay? So the fundamental thing, let me build a last picture for you. Begins with grace, always does. God reaching down to us and out to us. We respond to that by faith. We reach back and we take hold of his hand. And then together, we begin to walk in partnership and do action. And it results in activity. Okay? Grace, faith, action. It always begins with grace. It always ends with grace. It's always about grace. Faith responds to that. Action, the outflow of that. So let's stand together. I'm going to simply ask this, ask you to just, again, open your heart and hands. Then we're going to, if you can just hang in there one more moment. We're right at the end. We're going to sing this song, and then I'm going to pray the benediction. And then we'll open up the altar if people want to come, if you want to. And while we're singing this, the altar's open. But if you just open your heart right now, maybe even open your hands, just as a posture. And Jesus, I want to pray right now for your people here, for myself. Lord, we're going to sing Build Your Kingdom here, and we know that that's your desire is to build your kingdom among us. And we also recognize that, Lord, that's a work of your spirit in us. And so we welcome you today to come with your truth. And that, Lord, that great divorce that's happened in us between faith and works, Lord, where our speech, where our ethics, where our compassion, Lord, lacks, Lord, would you come and, Lord, would you fuel and feed a a, a, a transformation of heart and a reformation of actions. Lord, may this be more than just words that go out, but Lord, um, may your word not return void today, but accomplish that for which you have sent it. We trust you for it now. Bless, Lord, in the name of Jesus, blessing of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's sing this as our closing anthem. And now with open hands, I pray that you'd be filled afresh this very day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit. Be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of his favor over your lives. Until we gather again, either in this house or our eternal home, I pray that his love and goodness and mercy chase you down every day of your lives. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you.